This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 165. Well, we're back after our kind of a short break, you know, the, the long holiday break we usually have, but we did have that special uh, Doug Woog podcast, uh, you know, a couple weeks back, and uh, I, I highly recommend you check it out. We had Frank Mazaka on for that podcast, and it was great, so uh, it's it's a good thing to listen to with a lot of the stories that, that uh, Mazako has about the Wooger. So highly recommend going back to that. And unfortunately, we didn't plan that, Viggs. We you know we we usually kind of have our month off. But uh, how was your uh, vacation from GPL for a little bit? It was okay. I I got to spend a little more time on some association hockey things. <laughs> I worked on a couple stories for the athletic that uh, hopefully I'll be able to share with everybody soon, and uh, recovered and rejuvenated for the second half of the season because it's an important one for this uh, program right now. It is, and uh, well, if you heard at the top there, you might have heard that we have a new sponsor. You know, we have a we have a GPLer who's been on GPL for over eight years or so. And, um, you may know him as, uh, Don, Oh, Don Adams, wheel of justice, or I can't, I can't remember what exactly. I think he nailed it. Yeah. Don Adams, wheel of justice. That's what it is. Um, you know, he reached out to you and me and, you know, he says, you know, I'd like to sponsor the GPL podcast. I'm like, well, sure. What you got? And, you know, Jerry Peters works at the first class mortgage there in Maple Grove. And he's been there for a while. And I, and I thought this was a great opportunity to bring him on because, you know, for one thing, I'm actually looking at maybe refinancing myself, Viggs. <laughs> so it's a good time. The market uh, is very attractive to refinancing it, it, right now. It is, you know, Jerry. You know, he's he's been you know there for a long time. He's been a mortgage consultant for 23 years. He covers all type of mortgages for you, including conventional, FHA, and VA loans. You know, the spring. You know, I've been hearing this too. Actually, the spring is going to be pretty hot for the market. Interest rates are near record lows. Home value is on the climb, so um, that might be good for me to refinance. Uh, there's there's really no better time than to, to, to refinance. You know, maybe getting off getting that PMI uh, off of your mortgage, which actually I am thinking directly about. So, you know, a great place is with Jerry Peters at First Class Mortgage. You know, there are many ways to contact him. His direct line is at six one two nine four zero three two nine one. Or you can email him at jerry at firstclasscorp.com. Um, he's even on Twitter now at, at, at FCM Jerry. Um, you know, and I'll post some links in the in the in the show in the podcast post, you know, tonight for you to come and just check it out. Um, remember that, you know, Jerry's NMLS number is four eight zero two zero zero. First class mortgages number is three two two eight four two. This is not an offer to lock into an interest rate agreement under Minnesota law. And first class mortgage is an equal housing lender. Uh, well, I just can't thank you enough, Jerry, for coming on board. I know we really appreciate it. And like I said, well, you've got over a thousand posts on GPL, so uh, you've been 
you've been listening to us for probably quite a while. We, we, we definitely appreciate it. I know Viggs and I appreciate it. And uh, welcome aboard. So One of us. One <laughs> of us. One of us. <laughs> we do like the one of us, don't we, Viggs? <laughs> yeah, we're very provincial here in Minnesota, especially <laughs> the state of hockey and everything pride on ice. So thank you, well, Jerry. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. And I might be contacting about refinancing. I think it might be time to do that myself. Well, well, Viggs, you know, obviously we had our winter break broken up with the, you know, the tragic death of uh, of the Wooger, and we obviously covered that, and uh, you know, came back in the Mariucci Classic, and on that Saturday, that first game Saturday, the entire team wore their gold jerseys with the Wooger on the back. Um, they win that game. The next uh, next night, they beat St. Cloud State. It was a, not, maybe not the team we thought we would face if we won, but uh, it was a fun Mariucci Classic, and uh, the Gophers uh, looked pretty good, didn't they? Well, I'll say they looked pretty good on Sunday. Okay, I thought okay. Saturday was a little bit of a slog for them. I think the encouraging things you can take out of that game against Bemidji is they didn't turn the puck over. I think all first half of the season, that was one of the big things we would focus on with Minnesota is making good decisions with the puck, avoiding offensive zone penalties, and and getting their ground game going. I think Bemidji State presents a tough challenge for any college hockey team. Yeah. I think coming into that series, they'd given up two goals shorthanded, and one of them was an empty netter at the end of the game. So they'd only given up one power play goal against. So it's going to be a tough defensive matchup. So I think that's the encouraging thing. I think so many times we've seen Minnesota come into games like that and they give the game away somehow and they're just never able to get back into it. I think we saw that happen to them last year and that's why they missed the tournament. Encouraging that they escaped Saturday night. (laughs) Well, you know, for a little while there, it looked like McLaughlin was going to be the goat of the night. Yeah, you know, when he takes a bad penalty in uh, the (laughs) late second period that uh, puts him down, makes a bad turnover on the power play that leads to a shorthanded goal, you know, those are things that can get you in the doghouse. But uh, he got back in the house, according to Bob Motzko, by making a great individual play late in the game to get the go-ahead goal. Uh, That's just stuff that you need to, to win games like that. You need players to make exceptional plays, and he... Got away with one. Got away with guys laterally and put one up top. And on the other side of the bracket, we saw St. Cloud State take on Mankato. Uh, Minnesota State, Mankato, yes. I almost said Mankato State, but uh, um, Minnesota State had been playing off the charts this year. Um, They are clearly one of the top three, five teams, whatever you want to call it, in the the country. but they kind of ran into a buzzsaw and just it let it got away from them um, that first game against St. Cloud. They've kind of had some Minnesota-like problems. <laughs> the Mavericks for Mankato, yes. you know, having trouble in the tournament, having trouble in big games here and there, you know, overlooking their opponent. Maybe a couple things went the wrong way there for the Purple, but uh, St. Cloud looked really strong on Saturday. Uh, I was a little nervous for the matchup for the Gophers after seeing that uh, for the next night. I think Bob Mosco <laughs> called them, you know, the '80s, you know, Russian team. How good they looked, the the Huskies on Saturday night, and uh, they were a juggernaut. And I don't think Minnesota State was quite quite ready for that. 
Well, Minnesota State did, you know, respond the next uh, uh, day and, and did defeat Bemidji, and then Minnesota took on uh, St. Cloud State, um, and they actually have a two-game win streak going off uh, for the Huskies now, don't they? Yeah, I thought they looked really good on Sunday. Well, I was a little disappointed with their effort on Saturday. They didn't mm-hmm. make mistakes. Sunday, I thought they played really confidently. I think they got offense from a lot of players. The defense looked probably the best they've looked all season, top to bottom. Uh, I think we've seen some issues with Ben Brinkman's play. He looked fine. Uh, we saw Ryan Zulstorp block a ton of shots and be very steady. I think Tyler Nanny had that right amount of offense to his game. Stodiker had the the nasty, as he likes to call it, piss and vinegar to his game. <laughs> and then we saw the skill out of Lacombe and Johnson, and they looked like veteran players. I think we saw a lot of uneven play from them in the first half. Well, that's the best they've looked from start to finish all season is that Sunday night game. And if that's the kind of game they're going to get out of them the rest of the way, could be a great second half. Well, that's what we hope so. You talk about John, Johnson Lacombe. Um, not only did they play well, but they were getting a lot more power play time as well. I mean, we, we, know, we know that Motsko – Wanted to be patient, you know, putting, you know, the younger guys on the power play. And it looks like they kind of earned their way up the the ladder here a bit. Well, I actually asked Bob about that after the game because I did see them on the power play. I've seen them in power play a lot during practice over the season where Bob's trying to get them ready. I think it was more of a game flow situation where they got on the ice for the power play because Stucker kind of got stuck to the bench in the game. You know, they'd like to use him in the power play situations, and they just didn't. But I thought they looked really good on the power play, too, as they've looked in practice. And if they get the confidence going, you know, that could be part of the missing formula here in the second half as well. Because while the power play percentages are kind of okay, it's almost like in spite of themselves that they've been able to score on the man advantage. I think they do fine establishing themselves in the zone. But I think once they get in the zone, they've been very mechanical all year. And it's just little individual plays that kind of get them out of that. Uh, I know one game, you know, McLaughlin Walker said, let's just switch spots for a little bit and see how that goes. And it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you get these guys out of these situations where they're thinking too much and where they can just react. And then you get some guys with some amazing lateral skill like Lacombe and Johnson out there. And maybe things will, will turn on for these guys where they can use their skill because they do get pretty predictable on the power play. <laughs> they do actually, but you know, you, like you've mentioned before, as you've spoken with uh, Monsko about, you know, it's not that these kids don't have the skill level; it's really about building that confidence, isn't it? I mean, that's a huge factor. And I and I think that's why he's stuck with his units the way he has because he knows the skill is there. You know, I think Bob Monsko of all coaches knows how to coach a power play. And he's just being patient with this group and showing confidence in them and giving them a long leash and hoping it pays off. Uh, you know, and he's got a little bit of rope for himself right now. So let's, let's see what he does with it. You know, I wanted to ask you about something that actually that the Wild did not too long ago on a power play. I, it may have been a five on three. I don't quite remember, but they actually had two guys behind the net during a power play, and it seemed to be very effective. Uh, well, I think sometimes I'm not sure, I'm you, not, I'm you not sure do what that, that is <laughs> to get the the penalty kill out of their structure. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you'll be up against a unit where they're just so tight and structured, it's hard to break them down. Sometimes you can get them running out of position 
by putting guys in unusual spots or having unusual movement that'll drag them out of their their structure and actually create more chances. That's why sometimes you see guys, you know, just shoot the puck to shoot the puck because it might get the defensemen turning their heads and, and mm-hmm. chasing the puck. You know, I just, you know, I, I noticed that with the Wild, I mean, heck, even with the Vikings this past weekend when they took their outside guys, put them on the inside, they just kind of did something different on the fly, unexpected. And, and, and I love that type of player, you know, something was just, hey, what are they doing here? Um, and then, you know, it can really confuse a team. You, you look what happened, you know, in that particular wild power play. You look what happened with the Vikings this weekend. They couldn't handle that kind of change that uh, they're not used to. Well, and I think when you have McLaughlin and Walker switch spots, you know, that creates opportunities because people have scouted all week, especially in Western college hockey where you scout all week for games like this. If you see something you don't expect, it slows your brain down a little bit and you're a little bit slower to react. And I think that's some of the things that they, as they get more comfortable, you know, they they do more switching and they can draw people out of position and then they can get quicker shots on net, get goalies moving side to side. I think that's the sign of a successful power play is you've got skilled players playing fast and confident. And that's what they're looking for. And and also as part of that power play, we did see – uh, Walker get on the board again this past weekend. It wasn't an op- empty net goal, and uh, boy, it was nice to see, see Walker score again because he had been in a bit of a drought. Oh, you can just see the weight on his shoulders <laughs> getting heavy this season. And if he can get some goals, maybe it'll get a little easier. He's such an easygoing guy off the ice, and I think he's getting stressed this season. And you know, it wasn't one of those goals where it was an amazing play, but it it went for him, and you hope it loosened things up and he can play a little bit faster. But he's he's trying to do so much right now, and maybe trusting his teammates a little bit, beat one or two guys and then look for somebody else, or beat one or two guys and get the puck to the net. You know, that might give him a little more productivity if he can figure that out to balance it in his game. Well, you know, the Gophers only gave up three goals on the on that weekend at the Mariucci Classic. You know, so better team defense. But uh, one thing I noticed you mentioned today in your Twitter feed, you know, you really like how LaFontaine has kind of come to the front a little bit more. And you even were posting stats about how, you know, if you <clears throat> remove a couple games here or there, <laughs> his stats are really good or really comparable to a lot of the other top goalies in the league. So, uh, do you think maybe uh, he's turned the corner? Well, I think goaltending, it's a lot of confidence in positioning. And he took the break to really focus on himself and what he needs to do to be successful. He worked a lot with uh, the goalie coach, Carl Popper. And his focus really is to get centered over pucks and get his eyes on it and not be cheating. And when he's dialed in, you know, he's a big athletic goalie who reads the game pretty well. If he's huge. not pulling himself out of position, he'll be he'll be in good shape. And I you know, those numbers when he's on, he's close to a nine forty save percentage, which is pretty darn good. We'll take it. You know, we'll we'll definitely take it. You know, we had uh, quite a few questions here. Um, on Twitter uh, earlier today. Oops, I just clicked the wrong thing and lost it there. But to, um, one of the items I did see earlier today was uh, what did you think about a, kind of the bye week in January? Now, my initial thoughts are we started doing this a few years ago, didn't we, Vegas, to kind of avoid, 
you know, only having, you know, those junior players gone for maybe that one weekend and not two weekends. So the, it seems like that we started changing our scheduling there. But how does this affect the team? Well, I think it's fine because everybody's taking a break at this time, mm-hmm. you know, with the exams. And maybe you might like to have the break in February. But I think for teams like Minnesota, you expect to be sending guys to the World Junior. It's nice to have them ease back in rather than get back and then right into games and then just get a long stretch where they don't get to recover. Because I think the junior tournament can be really stressful, especially for a player who's 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And while Minnesota only had the one go this year in Sample Ranta, you know, that could have been more. You know, Lacombe and Johnson were, were prospects who, who probably could have helped that team. You know, they were looking for a little bit more dynamic offense, and you put those guys in at their age group, and they can be a little more impactful. Uh, maybe they could have helped out the team a little bit. But I think it's fine to have, you know, a little bit slower schedule here, and I think with the exhibition game coming up next weekend, it even allows them a little more time to recover. And it might be fortunate for this team because it sounds like the flu bug is going Ooh. through the team right now. Yeah, I saw you uh, tweeting about that earlier this week, and uh... – Hopefully it's not too bad. Well, you mentioned the World Juniors there. Obviously, not a successful tournament for Team USA. Um, a lot of critics online, people saying, "Oh, they didn't play these guys enough. They didn't play those guys enough." Um, what, you know, what's your assessment on that? It's tough. You know, the USA coaches have gotten it done before. Motsko's done it. Sandlin's done pretty well. Uh, Sandlin's done very well at UMD. You know, it's up to the players to come through in some of these events. And they just didn't get it done. They ran into a Finland team that had one of the best goalies in the tournament and couldn't put the puck past him. Uh, and maybe it's not the best U.S. age group either. There you go. I, I, it's my I take. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get to see it because I don't no longer have the NHL network. So Sling is a great option for people who want to sign up and get the NHL network during the World Juniors for future reference. Yeah, it's, it, only, it's only like 15 bucks a month. And you can just sign it up for the tournament, DVR everything, watch it as you go, and then drop it. I'm, I'm a little so. bitter with Sling recently because obviously they're connected to Dish, and we right, all, we all know that uh, Dish uh, uh, no longer has a Fox Sports North. Yep. So that's uh, just a little little I, thing going with me. So <laughs> one other World Junior thing is I was a little surprised Sampo didn't get a bigger role with Finland. I think they had some highly touted prospects that got put on the power play because they're more European-based. I think Sampo, if he would have been given a little more rope with that team, maybe could have produced more at the summer camp. He was their leading scorer. I think he's looked great for Minnesota in the first half as far as generating shots. Uh, So I think he got pigeonholed a little bit in a lower role. He was the player of the game for them in the bronze medal game with they lost to Sweden. And then next year's group looks quite interesting. <laughs> uh, Sweden is not going to have as an e- as an easy uh, way uh, as they usually do that. I think uh, their old winning streak might be in jeopardy next year. You know, with the Russians and the Americans uh, in their group. Yeah, it's a tough group. I feel like the Czechs might be in there too. I think you're right. You're right. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a tough group next year. Yeah. But nope. with not getting the buy anymore. I don't think there's as big an advantage of finishing high in your group. Mm-hmm. And and this year, burn the U.S. probably by having to play Finland in the quarterfinal. That it did. Uh, we got Jessica asking in the Mixler chat uh, how we look at pairwise rate, you know, right now. I mean, 
I'm guessing keep winning. That's what you really got to do. Not, not great, Jess. Not great. <laughs> you know, I actually was looking at this t- earlier today because I think they're in the 30s. And I did some pairwise analysis for uh, Minnesota Hockey Magazine last two years ago. And, you know, if you're outside the top 24, your odds of making it at Christmas are like once in the last 20 years. So the only way for them to really get in is to win the league tournament. If they would have been able to split with North Dakota and if they would have been able to split with Minnesota Duluth, they'd be right on the bubble. You know, they had those two games, that second game with Minnesota Duluth where it was one nothing. Uh, they had that game against North Dakota where they scored the power play goal to almost take it up. You know, if they win those two games, we're having a different conversation about pairwise. But right now, they would have to go on one hell of a streak in the Big Ten. And yeah. I think the league is too good to do that. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I also see a question from Frozen Four Champs, who, and actually kind of mirrors a, a question from Sky U Ra on Twitter. Um, basically asking, you know, we get the Winter Classic coming next year. Are we going to see any uh, outdoor college games kind of hop on the bandwagon with that? Maybe another Mariucci Classic, um, like maybe afterwards or before or something along those lines. I mean, are, we, we, we're always the last to hear about a schedule for Minnesota, so maybe there's something available in there. Yeah, especially since the Mariucci Classic isn't set for next year. They don't have teams mm-hmm. set for opponents for that event yet. And the NHL and wild have basically said that they're looking to make this a longer event than your typical winter classic because target fields, a smaller venue, you know, they're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to sell a hundred thousand tickets to that and make the big bucks. So they're going to be looking to put more events there. I think it's going to be hard for North Dakota to be one of the teams that weekend because they're already playing that game in Nashville next year i believe yeah and i also believe they might be playing duluth that weekend I, somebody tweeted that out that uh, those teams are already busy yeah but i've, I've got to imagine we'll see minnesota playing at target field you know nothing official there's there's nothing that they've released this is all just my mind working that when the nhl says they're going to need more games uh that's going to be one of them i have to feel like we'll probably see some high school games take place you know yep. some sort of showcase there I know at the Cotton Bowl they did a USHL game. I could see a, a prospects type tournament happening during the Winter Classic as well. You know, there's going to be a lot of events and concerts going on with this year's event. Uh, it's nice that the Wild got it, and it'll be a nice showcase for the state. And don't complain if Minnesota Golden Gophers or the like get involved. It may not be a Friday Saturday thing, folks. <laughs> It would likely be, you know, a Wednesday, Thursday thing, middle of the week, God forbid, um, because whatever's going to happen is going to happen before. Wouldn't you think, Viggs, they're not going to do something after. It kind of all culminates with the Classic on Friday the 1st. So Yeah, especially since, you know, the Gopher football team is probably going to be playing in the Rose Bowl that there day. They don't, <laughs> they don't want to have that overlap happening. Here we go. I love your positivity. But- yeah, well, you know, Flex rolling the boat. I'm I'm in the boat too. I just renewed my season tickets for football, so did you upgrade your seats? Hmm? Did you upgrade your seats? Are you still in the no, corner there? I am not upgrading seats. I've I have a young family and we're uh, looking to finish our basement. So and, and we'll, get, we'll someday upgrade seats perhaps. But, but I like, those I like nice, where we are. You got those good seats and you're real close to the exit too. Yeah, I'm right by the plaza. It's great to go grab a, a yeah. you know a local beer. <laughs> when I can and get back to my seats, no problem. 
Not miss a, not miss a snap. Yes. Um, we have Tim Hapke asking on Twitter, have you heard any more details on the Wooger tribute on the weekend of the 24th? You know, they're playing Ohio State that weekend. I have not heard more. I noticed the U has been putting out more video stuff, but uh, it's going to be kind of a wait and see, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's going to allow them some more time to do some of those video tributes, uh, get the family on campus and do something a little more structured. I'm sure you'll have a lot of people there for that weekend. Uh, they couldn't really do anything for the Marriage Classic with all the funeral stuff going on in South St. Yes. Paul. So this will give the university an opportunity to pay a little bit larger tribute. I know some people were disappointed in the amount of production that went into the Classic. It's because the family was already committed to their yes. morning. So be patient. Coming up, they'll, they'll pay proper dues to a guy who had a huge impact on the state and the program. He definitely did. Um couple more questions from Sky U Ra. You probably saw these earlier today, you know. Um, he kind of wants your thoughts on the, the state of Casey Middlestead and the pressure to young team, you know, the pressure to rush the young talent um, like you might see over at Wisconsin. There might be a lot of pressure to rush those kids and throw them in the NHL, and it's not exactly an easy ride. I feel really bad for Casey Middlestad because he did all the right things staying in high school hockey and playing junior hockey after the high school season. I thought he did such a great job growing himself from a kid who wasn't making, you know, the select 54 players for the state of Minnesota into a top 10 draft pick for Buffalo. And then to throw it away by rushing himself into the NHL was just hard to watch. I remember talking to someone who said, you know, in the, the Big Ten hockey, when you when you get on the ice and it's a tough matchup, you know, Penn State throws out uh, Smirnoff and uh, Sturts. Well, when you're in the NHL, they're going to throw out Malkin and Crosby. It's not <laughs> a fair comparison to your game. And I just think it was probably too much for him, and he wasn't quite ready for it, and he had to change his game to compensate for the physical differences that he hadn't developed yet. And he just couldn't play the same game. And once you start doing that, you change your habits, you lose your confidence. We talk about the Gophers confidence all the time. You start pressing and in the NHL, it's not a development league. No, you know, if they're, if they don't see results and they don't see progression, they're going to go to someone else who they think deserves the chance. And, you know, being sent back down to the HL is a tough thing for him to take and I understand that he probably thought he was ready for the leap, but you know, there's so many times you say, "Yeah, you didn't leave too soon. Could have stayed later." Mm-hmm. You know, no one stays too late most of the time. Yeah, and Lucia said that a lot. Yeah, and you feel bad, and we're yeah. seeing that I think with Wisconsin, with the way Granado is running his program, is he really wants to get these high-profile players because he thinks that's the best way to develop his program. And he gives them a lot of rope and a lot of ice time. And it's hard to win in college hockey if that's your philosophy, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have enough veterans in the program to support them. I think when we've seen it work in college hockey, you see these players like uh, Besser at North Dakota. You know, He goes into a program where he's surrounded by seniors who are 23 years old, and he can learn to play. You know, When you're playing with a bunch of other 18-year-olds on the ice, it's not exactly the same thing. So it's going to be a while for these teams, I think, to figure it out. Uh, Denver figured it out with Montgomery, with Borgstrom. You know, they had a veteran team around him, too. 
So I think that's what it takes if you're gonna if you're gonna rush these kids and and build it around. You have to have the support system. And then on the opposite end of things, we see a player who was not heralded here in Minnesota until <laughs> until he scores a game winning goal of point six seconds left. But uh, Justin Hall just signed a nice contract with Toronto, and you talk about a kid that uh, bloomed much later. Um, boy, what a great thing for him. Yeah, tremendous for him. You know, he's a kid who had to play forward to get some ice time. He did. And just stuck with it, figured out his role in the AHL, paid his dues, you know, shuffled back between being the extra guy a lot. You know, hats off to him and and he's earned it. And they always say in the professional sports, uh, you earn your money on those second contracts and he is right now. Oh, yeah, it was a great thing. He was a, it was a fun kid to be around when he was at the U and uh boy, he scores his first goal in his senior year. Uh, shorthanded point, oh, point six seconds. You know, um, that's, you know, one of the biggest memories we've had this past decade. That's probably the top memory for gopher hockey in the past decade. Yeah, I know college hockey news did their top 25 moments of the decade. And, and that was one of the top 10, I think. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget. I was screaming like a madman when that happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was fun. Oh, well, Sky Ross got a couple more things here. You know, we've already did that one. Oh, he's saying, you know, he's talking about the, a new uh, arena being built in Iowa City. And, it, you know, it's going to be, it'll have ice capabilities. Um, you think you could see someone like in Iowa starting a hockey program? Uh, it's all going to come down to donor support for a team. <laughs> you know, in the Big Ten, that's yeah. what it's going to take. We look at Illinois, Northwestern, Iowa. You know, it's just going to take some money to make it happen. It's going to take more than an arena that's not owned by the university to get it done. Yeah. But I do know that there's a lot of support in Iowa for junior hockey. You know, so there is some some grassroots base there where those teams do pretty well. And I think that's the, you know, the formula for a college hockey team these days is to get that 4,500, 5,000-seat arena and and build from there. It might even be nice to have a, a – a non-college rink there, you know, for regionals. Yes. Could be nice. I would agree. Might be you. better than going to Sioux Falls. Yes. You know, Skyuma Law says Illinois will be first. And uh, from what I've heard, Skyuma, maybe not. Might be a Northwestern. So we'll have to wait and see. Oh, we know it's good. We, I, it's, I think it's just a matter of time, Viggs. Um, you know, we do have seven teams now. Um, getting an eighth team would be nice. Um, uh, it means we don't have to keep going out and looking for other schools. Um, but we know that the, the college landscape is just keeps changing and changing. So um, who knows what's uh, who's coming up over the horizon? Yeah, it'd be nice to have some competition. You know, the teams are being hold, told to hold their schedules back a little bit down the line because they expect to have an eighth member soon. And maybe having a little competition between these schools for landing that eighth spot is good. It might uh, get one of the donors to step forward a little faster. Maybe. Well, this weekend we're heading to uh, old Michigan State, Viggs. Um, Michigan State's really turned it around these last few years. Um, maybe not in the standings last year, but they were tough for Minnesota last year. And this year they've put it all together pretty well with the starting boy back in goal. Uh, was it Lethman? Yeah, he's he, he's he been phenomenal incredible. for them. Yes, 
I mean, that's where it all starts. Starts in goal, and if you've got a great goalie, you can win almost any game. And here they are sitting in second place. Uh, did you see them being in second place at this point in time? I did not. I did not think they would have enough scoring, especially with losing Hiroshi uh, to a pro contract, that they would have enough scoring. But they've actually cut down the goals against quite a bit. And getting some solid goaltending is important. And unlike some other teams who have success in the first half, Michigan State's actually played some pretty good teams. I think Colorado College is a good team um, in the NCHC. they got to split with them. Uh, they split with Penn State at Penn State. Uh, they did pretty well. Um, against their other conference games, and I think they're going to be a tough matchup for the Gophers. They're definitely an older, bigger team with a top line who can score. And we, we've seen the frustrations over the years when Minnesota's had against uh, these defensive-type teams. Uh, we, we, almost, we, we almost saw it against that Bemidji State uh, game, you know, <laughs> because, you know, they, they play well defensively. They're older, and you know, Michigan State is kind of this team, but a lot better on the offensive side. Yeah, and I think they've gotten a little more disciplined, especially that top line. You know, is a line that you could maybe expose a little bit with some turnovers as they trade chances. But I think as they become, you know, juniors and seniors, they've figured it out. It's hard to believe that Lewandowski is only a junior. It seems like he's been there forever. Oh, boy. But Kordenko, he's in his last year. So last chance to, to go see him at Munn. Oh, boy. Well,. That was the one team that had the oh, – it seems like they always had the one line that just killed the Gophers, and we could never figure it out. Well, it was weird because there would just be these game situations where I think as a player, you should know who you're out against. And sometimes it seems like they totally didn't realize that. You know, <laughs> you're going up against a line that's hyped as the KHL line. You think you'd pay attention to that, and it just seemed like that would disappear out of their gourds while they're on the ice. And – Bob Motzko's talked about that a little bit with this team is you have to have that shift experience, game knowledge, know how long you've been on the ice, know when you can make an extra play, know when you have to make a smart play, know who you're out against, all those things that come with experience, you know, you're starting to see. I thought they did that really well against St. Cloud, and it's going to be super important against Michigan State to have that veteran presence on the ice, or you can get yourself in a hole real quick. Well, let's just hope that the, the team has turned it around. <laughs> we've been saying that for a long time, Biggs. Uh, and we've seen a lot of these other teams that were below the Gophers now surpass them since Matsko's come on. Um, you know, We really need to start seeing some uh, pretty good results here. I, yeah, I, mean, I think it, this is a real good measuring stick because Michigan State's kind of been in that rebuilding stage. They might be a little bit further ahead in rebuilding their roster compared to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I think if you look at the talent, the Gophers have more talented players who can make plays like the one Blake McLaughlin made against Bemidji State. I don't think you have as many Michigan State guys who can make that kind of play. But the problem for Minnesota has been the turnovers. And if they can cut those out, you know, it allows their skill to shine a little bit more. We got fake Bob Motzko asking us a little while ago, 14 games, seven series to go, all of them against the Big Ten. Uh, he says Gopher Hockey wins three of those series, splits three, and swept in one, nine and five to finish the season would be respectable. Change my mind. <laughs> I think it would be a respectable finish to go 9-5. I think that's probably a, a good aim. I know that the current Bob Motzko, the coach, 
doesn't look at it in that kind of big stretch. I'm sure he's looking at it, you know, split on the road, try to sweep it home and look at it one weekend at a time. And that's really where their focus has to be. But I do agree with fake Bob. That would be a reasonable expectation for the season. If they can finish that way, get some home ice and give themselves a chance to get in during the conference tournament. Yeah. Cause you never know what happens in those tournaments. Yeah. And especially since there'll be one game shots once you get out of the first round. And I think Minnesota's a team where, you know, that's preferable for them where they're at right now. Well, we'll just have to wait and see, folks. You know, we get, I, I think it's a big series against Michigan State this weekend. You know, uh, remember that the, the Friday game's at 5 p.m. Central. So it's, it's an earlier start, most likely for television. Both games are on a Big Ten network this weekend. But uh, don't forget. And remember, that's Michigan State's call. Not the Gophers' call for all you people on social media <laughs> want to go after Brian Deutsch with mean comments on Facebook. <laughs> it's not his fault. He's trying very hard to make sure that these games get televised for all of us back home who don't travel. Brian busts his butt. We Minnesota does a great job getting these games on TV. They That's do. all I can say. And and you know, Big Ten Network. Um, does prefer to have Minnesota as one of the teams. I mean, they know Minnesota, even in these down times, um, does bring eyes to the television more than any other team in the in the big t- in the league. So, um, that's one good thing we have going for us, Vigs. It's nice to be the the leader for something, right? Where everyone supports you, unlike the North Star College Cup Frozen Four champs, as you're pointing out. Boy, did you see that on Twitter this week with Wellens and Myers and some others as well? I I saw some stuff where they wanted to bring it back and how some of the coaches want it back and uh, uh, I don't really know. I don't know what happened. Well, I think I know that the X is really big... expensive to to rent out for games. Yes, and I I think the league could have kept it going if they wanted to because when you draw eleven thousand fans for that, like they were doing most years. That's enough to keep it going. But what happened, I think, was that a certain coach up in Duluth decided he'd rather be playing games in his own rink and filling it and getting all the revenue rather than going to the Excel and splitting it four ways. Yeah, well, maybe there's a reason why they didn't invite Duluth to the Mariucci Classic. Perhaps. Or there's a reason why Duluth didn't accept an invite. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Two-time defending champs. But I do think when we get Duluth back on the schedule, it'll be two games in Duluth, two games in Minneapolis. Oh, that would be so nice. So everyone will be happy about that. Vigs, we can go up and drink for a weekend. I know. It'll be fun, and you get two nights of it. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to that. So, Well, what do you think about this weekend, though, Vigs? I mean, we kind of talked about Michigan State a little bit there, but – um. How are you feeling about this team? Can we go in there, maybe get a split, or maybe a little more than a split? Maybe not a sweep, but uh, you know, maybe four or five points. I could see four or five points coming out of this weekend. I think Minnesota—they just have to get some confidence with their power play. You know, they've got so much talent on the ice. Whereas if they start playing a little freer, um, scoring first should be good for this team. If they can do that against Michigan State, it might open up the game a little bit more. But it's going to be really hard to get a split with the way Michigan State's playing defensively, how good their goaltenders looked, and how dangerous uh, their top line can be. Surprise us, guys. Surprise us. 
Yeah, I have picked the Gophers to get swept more times this year than in the past, but <laughs> I, I think I might have to be going to splits and sweeps the other way now in the second half. I, I just feel like there is some positive energy around the team in the locker room. LaFontaine talked about that. Uh, Reedy talked about that. You know, guys are in pretty good spirits right now. I don't think you have a team where everybody's looking to turn pro after the year. I think mm-hmm. that factors in as well. You have a bunch of guys who are happy to be on campus and be playing college hockey. <laughs> and they're treated pretty well. They're taking yeah. those chartered flights out to East Lansing this weekend. And they're staying in a pretty nice place. And I'm sure they'll eat well. So what are you working on at the Athletic? You mentioned in the the, the pre-show that uh, – you got a couple things in the hopper. Anything you could tell us about there, Viggs? Well, we'll get closer to it. You know, this Viking <laughs> run that's happening is kind of damaging my space. Yeah, I guess. And of it course, was. now the Wild have uh, turned things around a little bit. So, so we'll see. We're we're edging my way in there a little bit for a couple stories. You'll see them soon. Well, that's and good. thanks for the people that read the Woog story. That was a lot of fun to do. Oh boy, that was great stuff, Viggs. And you you put one of my photos in there, so I really appreciated that. We appreciate you putting it in there for us. <laughs> uh, so I had some fun pictures of the Wooger, and uh, I he's I, it still it's it's tough to see that he's gone. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's another sad thing for this program that uh, we need some good positivity here, V. So let's get a you know get out there in Michigan State and just kick their ass this weekend. Be fun to see, and yeah. we'll get to see it on TV because of the hard work of Minnesota. There you go. Um, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL podcast. You know, we'll be back in two weeks to recap the Michigan State series and preview Ohio State. Remember, you know, got that little bye week in there again. So that's how that's going to go. But uh, uh, for those of you listening live, we'll have a little bit of overtime coming up. Uh, talk about a few things. Um, but for the rest of you, we'll be back in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. 